Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Bridge, a podcast where myself and my co-host, Zach, hope to bridge fans with bands. Uh, today, we're talking about a sleeper album uh, by Weezer, of all bands. This is actually the Weezer's 14th album. Uh, before we get to that, what are you drinking today, Zach? I am sipping on an espresso, and I also have some smoked old Amsterdam cheese. This, I don't know if I think that's appealing or not. Um, it's old smoked amps. I, I guess that's good. I'll go with it. Not cheese smoke- guy. No, you're not a cheese guy. No, I'm pretty simple man. Unless it's melted. <laughs> I'm a simple man. I like simple pleasures. Exactly. We're doing Weezer this week. So Weezer have a bit of a spotted history, to put it bluntly. Um, I've only ever listened to the good Weezer albums because. Uh, you know, people tell me an album is bad. I kind of tend to avoid it. So I haven't really listened to like any of the Weezer albums that people don't like. So I've only ever listened to good stuff. Uh, so I only have a perspective on Weezer that is generally positive. Um, you know, not every album has gone over well with the fans. Uh, people weren't a fan of Hurley and some of the 2000s work and even the 2010s. Um, what's your history with, uh, with Weezer? Yeah, so I'm not a Weezer fan. Like you said, this is their 14th album. At this point in their career, they've developed a bit of a following, you know? This is the third decade of them putting out albums. Mm-hmm. And so they, they've they developed a following, and every time a Weezer release comes out, it's sort of an event at this point because they've become a little bit controversial in whether or not the album's good and whether or not it's bad. and a lot of people are very nostalgic for early 90s Weezer, which they released the Blue Album and then Pinkerton, which Pinkerton is considered uh, one of the greatest emo records of all time. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 square in that Midwestern emo scene. It really caught me by surprise when I listened to it because I actually listened to Pinkerton later in uh, Weezer's discography because I heard a lot of people didn't like it when it came out and it really got some odd response. But it's a, an amazing record, and whoever didn't like it back in the day, you're wrong. Uh, you need to go back and listen to it again. Uh, it's a great record, probably their best record. Uh, but yeah, that's their second record. Uh, a lot of people are a little nostalgic for those uh, records because of how successful they were and how, how nice and kind of poppy and gummy they were, even though they were in that kind of like emo scene. Because Rivers has just an extraordinary gift for melodies and vocal melodies. That really does lean Weezer into a more pop-centric rock band. Uh, well, as as time has gone by, yeah. After after Pinkerton, they sort of sprung board into more pop rock music, into more mainstream territory with yes, the Green uh, Album, right? Uh, more contemporarily, uh, they're just off the backs of releasing the Black Album and an All Covers Album, uh, both of which. One, the Black Album did not get a great response, and the covers album, I don't care. I wouldn't. I just don't want to listen to Weezer covers. I'm not a big cover guy in general. I have a, a number one rule: if it sounds anything like the original, I don't want to listen to it. Just give me something new. But maybe they did that. But I just wasn't interested in a, a Weezer's cover uh, covers album. I didn't listen to it. Uh, they also announced uh, an album called Van Weezer which will be, as you expect, a kind of like hard rock, cheesy, 
covering uh, those like musicians that Rivers was inspired by, and I can't think of anything I'd want to listen to less. Um, <laughs> so I'm not excited about that. And then somewhere along the way, this album kind of snuck out. And while we were deciding what albums we want to listen to, especially early in the year, there's less albums to really our obvious go-tos. Um, I did see this album, and I really just kind of shoved it aside and really didn't give it much attention. Again, 14th release. You know, the last two releases weren't anything special. The Weezer was the last thing from my mind that I want to listen to right now. But on my timeline, I kept on seeing people talk about it. Uh, I seen some memes. Heard some, like, really a movement of surprise that people were surprised at how good this album was. Or at least that it was garnering a lot of attention from fans, at least. I didn't really get why. And so it piqued my curiosity, and I've we circled back a little bit to, to cover this album. Yeah, likewise, I have seen a controversial response to the album. I haven't looked at any reviews, but I have been browsing in the comments section, and it seems like people are very split on whether or not they like the album, whether or not they think, uh, you know, like, they did two good albums, they don't owe anything to anybody else, they can just do whatever they want, uh, but this record's not for me. So I went into this after all those rumblings and all that kind of, like, buzz, really kind of wisp out underneath this album, and I was curious what, what I was going to listen to. And so what did what was this album, Zach? So this is a Baroque pop album. For those who aren't sure what I mean when I say Baroque pop, they essentially replaced the electric guitars with Baroque-style string instruments. So the cello and violin feature heavily as core components to the yeah instrumental arrangement here however they also incorporate they switch back and forth between the harpsichord and the keyboard and then they actually they use a piano too at one point and there are periodic flourishes of horn instruments as well and maybe a flute i think i may have heard on one track a little yeah i believe so Mm -hmm. uh yeah there's a there's also some drums in that kind of like i really like the last remnants of a rock band here is the drums because the yeah. drums shape it into this rock format along with the kind of songs that we used to compose. They also went for an entirely analog uh, recording of all the instruments and the types of instruments used. So you get a, l- a larger range of sound um, more than you'd get with a uh, digital. It's harder to work with, which probably means it's probably uh, less edited so you kind of get a more whole warm sound from this from these instruments but in in the removal of ease of access and being able to overproduce the instruments so you get a more natural probably more of a underproduced but fuller sound off this record yeah and for anyone who are fans of the Beach Boys, you will probably be familiar with the album Pet Sounds. Well, I would not say OK Human lives up to the standards of Pet Sounds. It definitely is drawing inspiration from that record, which was a rock record that broke barriers by incorporating non-traditional rock instruments onto a rock album. Right, and that's definitely this album. Yeah, yeah. Just a question, what did you think of the parody 
of this of the album title, Okay Human, clearly a parody on Radiohead Okay Computer. Yeah, I was gonna get into this because I was kind of excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, at first I was a little kind of scoffy about it. Yeah. Okay. But the more I thought about it and uh the more I think about what OK Computer was and what it stood for and what the period of time it represents in terms of technology and where we are going as a, a human race. Um, to see this album called OK Human, uh, it kind of implies the antithesis or the counter album to OK Computer in terms of themes and thematic uh, ideas. So I was very excited to see how Weezer would approach a concept like that. I asked a friend the same question, and he said, you know, not enough people make fun of Radiohead, which are sort of a little bit of a serious <laughs> band. So I, I applaud Weezer for, yeah, making, a, making Radiohead the butt of, uh, of a joke. Uh, but right. also, at the same time, it fits, like you said, with the album thematically. Right. Because the album lyrically it essentially deals with the sort of shuttered and lonely existence that technology has created, especially among young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it speaks on several topics like escapism and the taking things for granted. There is a few topics uh, around like where, where we are now in the world with, in terms of technology. And there's a bit of a comical goofiness i'll say to the way they approach some of these topics but uh we'll get into that i think mm-hmm. and a bit of a drawback for me without getting into too many specifics is that although they address this very topical issue they assume the perspective of a very younger audience focuses on the effects of I would say people who are still in high school, people who are just entering into college, and maybe this is Weezer's target audience would fit with the sort of mainstream pop rock uh, reputation that they have. Yeah, that demographic. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that demographic. And so for me, it was a little bit alienating. Like uh, some some songs. Okay, I appreciated the general theme but then when you got into the details of of the lyrics it was sort of a little bit superficial to me yeah i think i know exactly the line and exactly the sign you're talking about uh we will get to that because i think that will be probably the more divisive song on the album maybe not the divisive but the most uh most to say about song on the album Let's start with the opening track, uh, All of My Favorite People, which is the initial single from the album. What did you, uh, how did you find this song? What's your initial reaction as you're listening here, going into the album for the first time, maybe? Yeah, this song, I have to say, it's friggin' catchy, man. Mm-hmm. It's just a catchy song. And yeah, it incorporates the, right, right from the beginning, it introduces the cello and the violin. And so mm-hmm. you immediately get a new sound, which, which yeah, grabbed my interest. And then, yeah, the song really begins to kick off when the rock-oriented drums enter. That was my, that was my first impression. And so, and so it caught my attention, I would say. But then as the song, as the lyrics started to unfold, he takes the position of a teenager. Like, it's sort of spoken from the perspective of a teenager. And I thought, okay, but then it, 
it really wrapped the album up in this sort of pop aura for me. I didn't what, like that. Uh, what gave you the inclination that this was taken from the perspective of a teenager? Because of the way that the lyrics are. He assumes the position of I. I also watched the video to this song. as a Oh, little I did boy. not see the video. Uh-huh. Maybe that had a little bit of an influence on how I interpreted the lyrics. Okay. I didn't because I didn't get the feel that this was uh, from this perspective of teenage or anything when I listened to it. Maybe the video influenced my interpretation of the lyrics a little bit, but because well, the that, video that still speaks to your point though, if the if the song, if the video to the song kind of takes that perspective. Yeah, it's uh, essentially it's about a a kid trying to get likes on Instagram connect with the girl that he likes that he has a crush on um i don't know if that if i would i kind of want to say this uh, the video is a little misleading from the lyrics that i that i see really wasn't lyrically it? i i thought it was more about the paradoxes of people right and that was kind of straightforward and saying like there's a lot of things that people do and express and take joy in that are, are paradoxical to other things you know all his favorite songs are slow and sad you know why? Why does he get so much joy from sad things? You know why does all his favorite people make him mad? I love parties, but I don't go when I feel bad. Uh, I stay home because uh, I need a friend. When I take a walk, the, a bunch of these paradoxes over and over again. And I, I, I kind of took it as a thematic uh, approach to the album, where Rivers is kind of saying how there are critiques on this album about modern technology and the modern world, but they're also lived within this paradox of where he still takes joy from them. And he still uh, takes places within our, our world, take comforts, uh, even though he has some complaints about where we might be going. I thought this song was just all about paradoxes. So I didn't yeah. get the feel that this was like from sort of some sort of teenage perspective. I got more of this was a thematic opening to kind of the tone of the ideas that Rivers was going to uh, handle in this record. Yeah, well, just even the way the lyrics are written, like there's a refrain in the song that goes, I feel bad, bad, bad. Like it's written in a very simple way. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I was trying to think if I considered these lyrics good or bad. I don't think a lot of his strengths on the songs that are on this album are particularly because his lyricism is well-crafted and deep or anything like that. They're all pretty straightforward for the most part. Um, he does a lot of oohs and ahs, you know, with the singing. I would go so far to say that the lyrics sometimes can be kind of juvenile, and this song is a great example of that. I would say they're juvenile. I think that goes along with the Weezer like personality. Like it's very goofy and geeky and juvenile in, in the tone of how they deliver the song topics mainly, but also like uh, as a band image, River himself, his image, and how Weezer's been portrayed. There's just a lack of maturity. I mean, these guys are 50 years old now. And the writing yeah, definitely like they were written by 22-year-olds, you know? Yeah, that's true. But I don't think there's a problem with like being young and goofy is how I would take it. Juvenile, I think, implies a uh, immaturity. And I don't think there's any immaturity on this record. 
Yeah, I just think I just think like the way the lyrics are written, sure, is immature. The topics are are interesting topics, very topical topics that strike at the present day experience of many young people, whether they're in high school, whether they're in college, whether they're new graduates, uh, sort of the you know millennial generation demographic. However, the way they're presented is what I find juvenile. Like repeating, I feel bad, bad, bad. Like it's just, uh, and that's just one example sure. that comes to the top of my mind. But, uh, you know, I don't want to beat a, beat a dead horse, but uh, it was something that f I found a little bit uh, distasteful. Okay. Um, how did you feel about the instrumentation change on this album? Do you, how did you feel the collective of Weezer kind of fit into this baroque pop genre i think they've been experimenting with genres a uh, recently like the black album i think sort of went into a little bit of a rap funk area and mm -hmm. people yeah like you said people didn't like it however i think their style fits the baroque pop genre better however as we'll go along i don't know if during certain songs I'm not sure if River's voice is really able to hang with some of these more analog and uh, very rich, deep-sounding instruments. Okay. I was, I was kind of impressed by how much it still sounds like Weezer. You know, yeah. we're here talking about these very classical instruments, a very classical music genre broke, and for it to be interwined with Weezer, which is like an alt-rock band, and to still sound like Weezer and to still have, you know, that just the overall atmosphere of the album still feels like a Weezer album. It just feels like Weezer to me, but it's nickel plated with diamond studs, made it look real pretty, a little bit like a little Uzi Vert. But uh, let's move on to the next track. Actually, I kind of thought one thing I wanted to note about this is, is how they start with this little analog sound, I, you might be able to name the instrument. I wasn't able to kind of sound like an analog synth and how the song just starts with the chorus. He just hits immediately with, uh, uh, with all my favorite songs are slow and sad. Mm -hmm. you know, he just immediately goes in that course. And uh, this is for the first example, I think of rivers unnatural ability to write a vocal melody or a chorus. I think he is so strong when he writes his courses. His courses all over this album are gummy and sticky and super good. Yeah, they're very, they're very catchy. There's no doubt about it. Like the band, um, most of the songs are between two and three minutes. Like they're all very <laughs> tight tracks. Yeah, the record only runs 30 minutes as well. Right. Commenting on what you said about the album, even though it's a Baroque pop album, it still sounds like a Weezer record. Mm -hmm. I think uh, you can attribute part of that to how the songs are arranged. Like they're very, they're very structured in terms of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. And then many of the songs then have a big reprise at the end where all the different elements come together. Right, right. The structure of these songs, they vary a bit, um, but they're kind of the same general idea on a lot of these songs with a few varieties here and there but they managed to stay different using a lot of the different 
uh, compositional ideas and different focus on different instruments, but they're kind of like the same structure of a song, that <clears throat> pop structure generally. I would say after a while, it's a good thing the record's only 30 minutes because it's, it, the album becomes formulaic. In, in terms of songwriting, I, I think so. The next song is Alu Gobi, which is a, for anyone that doesn't know, a uh, potato dish. Uh, very delicious. Did not um, know that. He, he, this song is a, he wrote, because uh, I did a little reading about this song, because it's actually one of my favorite songs on the album. Rivers wrote this back in 2017. Uh, which brings up some a side topic I'll talk about in just a second. But he, wrote, he basically wrote it about a boring day with him and his wife and the monotony of kind of come, becoming like this famous fuddy-duddy, you know, doing whatever, you know, all these uh, just going out, eating a Lugobi and having these generally monotonous kind of days. Oh, what he perceives as that. But he, he kind of added that to this album because all these this this commentary that he had on what he found to be kind of a boring day like going to the theater and seeing this like french noir flick you know it kind of has this weird sheen on it in today's covid world where suddenly now this is a something that he misses so that was something he kind of wrote about and and kind of why he felt he wanted to include it onto this record even though it had been written a few years ago. And I wanted to, a little aside about that 2017 thing, is this record has been in the works for a long time. This has been talked about for a while by, by Weezer. But apparently they work on albums concurrently. So they were working on this Van Weezer album, the Black Album, and whatnot, uh, kind of around the same time, and while this one was kind of also being worked on in the side. So some of these songs are a little older, and some of them are a little newer. But because of the whole pandemic era they moved van weezer ahead uh, not ahead like further down the line and brought this one more up because they felt more inspired by this and it felt more appropriate for the time uh, so i thought that was interesting how how he how weezer works as a band i thought that was an interesting uh idea uh personally i don't miss the guitar at all on these tracks i'll be honest might be a little controversial guitar most overrated instrument in the world you don't need a guitar for your band. This album is a full example of how to form and shape songs without a guitar. I think it's uh, fantastic. If anything, it just makes me fall more in love with drums because I think the drums do so much good work here in formatting songs. Again, I'm so impressed with Rivers' ability to make vocal melodies. The vocal melody on this song specifically, I think, is so good. So good on this song. It's so catchy. Caught my ears immediately. Uh, and I kind of I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the analog uh, instrumentation they put on this. His his catchy and, and gummy tunes. I was super impressed by how it still sound, felt like a rock song on a rock album, but using all these baroque instruments and swelling bass and neat piano tunes flavoring everything. But it still still was Weaver Weezer, and I think they deserve a lot of tra- uh, credit for that. Yeah, that's interesting what you said about how they op- how they develop albums concurrently like i can only read one book at a time if i read two or three books at a time i get nothing read (laughs) right and so i can only imagine what it's like especially when you have concept albums like like this one is and you're going out far into the distance into different genres Uh, that's a lot to wrap your head around yeah you would you would think that 
this album would turn out worse than it did with kind of like the uh, division of attention. But I think it's more um, working on what you're more inspired to work on led to a better result, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that's the case here, where they were more inspired by what they were doing with this album. And so it ended up being released earlier than they had anticipated. And I think that's because it became more of a passion project. And so it's kind of interesting to see what came of it. What do you think of the next track, Grapes of Wrath? I thought the, first of all, I thought the, uh, the transition into, uh, between these tracks are absolutely amazing. Uh, I think they do a lot of work at the back end to like fly tracks into the next track that a lot of times there are tracks that I didn't realize were two different tracks. For anyone not aware, Grapes of Wrath is a book. This is the first song uh, of two, I believe, about escapism. And this time it's taken a modern approach of book reading. And instead of like, you know, your physical book copy, he's talking about listening to Audible. Uh, Audible. Uh, yeah, it's more that modern sickness spoken of it more generally than with any other sort of higher criticism or snobby commentary. It, it, it's more it, the type of content of the lyrics here, the way I took it is. And while there are critiques going on with him talking about this escapism and the grander scale of why, you know, escapism becomes uh, relevant in today's world, I felt like there was a more of a goofy undertone to it all that kind of like almost undercuts the intention, but also I think it takes away some of that snootiness of it that in the boomerness of like this critique and it becomes more of a, just a, general statement that kind of like just lives within the, the track so i was enjoying this even though the kind of weird audible kind of reference there well it's essentially a song that's targeted a, towards the audible generation and how people are just plugging into audible now and becoming concerned with yeah issues and books that they really are disconnected from because they're so plugged into technology. And so this song also has many references to different famous books, Grapes of Wrath, obviously, as the as the song is titled, but it also mentions Mrs. Dalloway, and it mentions 1984 by George Orwell, a couple other titles he mentions. But musically, what did you make of the track? Uh, musically, like I feel like the album goes through this where... It's this broke pop sound with the strings and the drums and a bit of piano here and bass swelling. And you get them composed in different ways that all the, all the songs sound different. But at the same time, I find them hard to describe in a way that describes them differently. Um, because they all are kind of the same format. The, 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 you're using the same building blocks to make these songs. Uh, it's generally the, the vocal work and the vocal melodies and the songwriting that really separates the songs into more unique living pieces. The Baroque stuff is really nice, and the analog sounds really warm. Instrumentally, from one track to the next, they all kind of blend together a little bit. It's uh, not for me. I said it's not flushed out, like fleshed out. The cello and the drums introduce the track. And then the lyrics start, and maybe there'll be a different flourish. You know, they'll incorporate some hi hats or something like they do on this, on this track, or they'll focus more on the snare. 
but then you know you get the violin in the background but it's not really it's sort of functioning like a bit of a rhythm guitar it just becomes it seems like the musical ideas are a bit short because they're becoming so repetitive however in in the course if you listen closely enough and maybe if you have a really good sound system it would be easier to tell but there's a harpsichord in the course but it's so buried and maybe because of the analog recording techniques that they used that's the case but unless you listen very intently and very closely you can barely hear it yeah like i found it hard to pick apart the instrumentations on these tracks because a lot of them um were, were kind of simple like obviously there's like some different there's different usages of different instruments at different times and they create different melodies and stuff um but in terms of like the mix and describing the sound there are a lot of similar sounds being created and being used on the album that it's hard for me to describe them uniquely yeah well i mean they have a harpsichord here and there's the penultimate track focuses a lot more on the piano and if they would have just done stuff like that shift the focus of which instrument which baroque instrument they're gonna center the track around I think it would the album would have came together far more. It would have been a lot less repetitious, sure. and it would have been a lot less predictable. Because as the album goes on, it, like you said, it almost becomes a little bit difficult to talk about one song from the next because they're so similar. Uh, in terms of like the instrumentation, yeah, they are similar. Certain songs stand out as uh, juxtapositions to that point. I think maybe even numbers. The next track is a little more prominent in like the uh, piano range it, it kind of sounds to me like a 90s our lady peace song uh, but a little less melodramatic so like numbers is this track that he focuses on talking about how people get depressed and, and anxious and hyper hyper focused over numbers in their life you know either your weight or views or anything along those lines rating of albums maybe even but uh it's kind of a really kind of melodramatic in a way that kind of threw me off a little bit, but, and I kind of think the lyrics are not great on this track, but again, they delivered with such a nerdy, goofy sincerity that I think they get away with some of the obviousness of the topics uh, and move away kind of from like the bluntness of what's going on and create kind of like a very uplifting sounding uh, song that I, I, kind of enjoyed but in terms of topics i was a little like high roll about it again he's catchy with his vocal melodies i can't say enough about how good rivers is at creating catchy gummy courses and that really makes this album i think it's uh, a huge highlight yeah um this song is welcome because it at least does it almost has a shift in mood it's a little more morose then the earlier tracks, which are more upbeat, more poppy, even though they deal with yeah sadness, themes surrounding modern day depression. However, again, the the track is structured very much the same. You know, like you, you get a verse, a chorus, a verse, a chorus. Then you get this bridge. Everything sort of die, dies down. He has his um, vocal performance and then everything all the instruments reprise towards the end and it just 
it becomes tiresome for me. And if you really like his voice, I can see how maybe you would enjoy it a little more than I did, become a little more tolerant towards it. But I'm not super huge on his voice, his squeaky, nerdy voice. On some of the slower tracks towards the back end on the, of the album, really doesn't mesh well with the baroque sound in my opinion like he just he just can't carry it the same way as say like a celeste could or something you know it doesn't have those no. vocals his uh his singing uh, he's not like a super uh wide range singer it's not quite his pocket i think his pocket is is kind of creating these really infectious choruses and hooks uh in these songs and like uh re- creating these unique melodies that he hasn't done before that stand out. He consistently makes them. It's just it's so impressed by that. And I think that's where his strength in singing comes from is like creating and crafting choruses and, and hooks to his voice. And to, uh, to your point, yeah, his, his oohs and ahs really do play into the catchiness of some of the courses and just the way the songs are built. But his voice, his voice just stand alone on its own. It's not one of the, not one of the voices that really do it for me. But sure. uh, that's a matter of taste. Uh, at this point in the album, I'm I'm actually thinking he, it's been hit after hit. Uh, I've liked every song. Uh, I thought the topic of like this last numbers was a little whatever. It's a little melodramatic for me, but I generally enjoyed everything going on here. I enjoyed the lack of guitar. I liked this baroque this space that he's living in. Even though it's still kind of like that pop song structure of what he's actually creating, I think that helps solidify it within the rock genre and still sound like a Weezer song, even though it can get a little uh, repetitive. But this album, again, is like 30 minutes. It doesn't, if you're listening to it over and over and over again, eventually I think you'll get tired of it. But I think on one listen, I think I find it hard to gets the end of my patience with the Brook Pop idea with only 30 minutes. I think it lives within and survives within the realm of time that it exists. None of the songs outlast their welcome, you know? Hmm. Yeah, so I, I can agree. It's a, very, it's a very tight record. I don't know the longevity of the record for people, you know? I don't know if people will listen to it a couple times and then just stick to a couple tracks that they like. Maybe. Um, I think that's more of a commentary on Weezer as a band in general. I think if you're a Weezer fan or you're someone who checks in with Weezer here and there, I think this album's going to end up being one worth listening to at least once or twice to kind of see what's happening here because it is different, and I think they do a pretty decent job at it to kind of point some of the instrumental issues that you're having. I think playing my piano, which is the next song, is probably the antithesis of that point, where I think they do focus heavily on the piano in the song. Why wouldn't you? It's called playing my piano. It's also um, the second uh, the second track that's a bit escapism. Again, this time it's more about him playing his piano. Uh, I think it's a super wholesome track. I, I like the this visual of Rivers, you know, barred away in his in his room just going up and down his piano having a time and just like living off in his little world and it sounds like a very wholesome and kind image in my head i wanted to kind of couple this with the next song in discussion because it transitions into mirror image so smoothly that i thought these were the same track 
and they're both two minute and then one minute respectively. So mm-hmm. it almost really feels like just the one track. And, and I have a theory that it is that kind of connected idea. So it's super, uh, this next song, Mirror Image, super uh, short. So we're working theory is that at the end of Mirror Image, the, the audio production kind of changes. Like he's kind of delivering a live performance. And it's just him and his piano at the end of Mirror, Mirror Image, you know, just singing the outro. And I have this image of just him in his room as he's singing on playing my piano, you know, I feel like this, that's kind of like a coupled piece. So I kind of view them as the one track. Yeah. And I also like this transition. It's probably the best on the album. And I wish more songs sort of seemed like there was a sense of unity between each track to the next. Whereas the album, while it's tight, uh, each song is sort of a standalone song and with some some exceptions they don't really there's not really a a transition you know there's and some of the sounds from one track are very similar to the sounds on the following track yeah i just wish there were they they had fleshed out the idea from song to song a little bit better do you mean like thematic like song topics because in terms of instrumentals i thought they transitioned between tracks very well Especially in the first like five five tracks and up to this one, this one's the best one they did. But I thought there was like smooth transitions between several of these tracks up to here. Um, I, if I believe it's Alugobi Al- that ends like, yeah, the end of Alugobi, like the drums and stuff, finish at the beginning of uh, the next song, Grapes of Wrath. Like there's these transitions are all over the the track uh, the track listing. I, I I thought that was one of the strengths was how well that these songs transitioned into each other on the album. I have to disagree because for me, the introduction to many of the tracks are so similar to the track that came before it that, yeah, like uh, maybe what you're saying about is sometimes it's hard to tell when one track begins and one track ends is because they're so similar. Um, There's similar instrumentations. Yeah. But like, even just like, they end on one specific kind of like melody or instrument, and then they open up the next track with the same one. Like, I think there's like an effort here to transition between songs that I think is pretty, pretty admirable. Like the end of all my favorite songs ends in like this, like piano and, and shaking. And then suddenly a Luba Gobi comes in with these strings. that are like kind of strum, like, like a guitar kind of like hides the fact there is no guitar. And I felt like the transition was really smooth there. Mm-hmm, yeah. No, I see your point. But for me, I guess I was just so distracted with how the introduction to each song felt so similar to the one before it that it killed any sort of smooth transition that they like car- carrying over the concluding idea of one song into the introduction of the next. Um, well, how did you feel about the play my piano and the mirror image? Did you kind of feel like they were kind of like a connect piece or uh, that's what it sounded to me like mirror image almost felt like it was an interlude that sort of carried on playing my piano right it, 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 i don't know why the lyrically they aren't similar songs like i think they, they're kind of covering different things uh even though i think mirror image is like an ode to his wife and i i kind of picture it as uh the song he's singing in playing my piano when I get that mental image of him just kind of like locked away and 
and singing. In fact, I thought the lyrics on this the song were pretty good. Let me uh, pull it up. Um, she's my Im- mirror image, showing me who I am. Until the day I shatter, she helps me understand. Thought that was great lyricism. Uh, great work on this song. It is super short. It's like a minute long. And I, I find it hard not to believe that it's not at least spiritually connected to this previous song. And what did you think about the vocal performance on playing my piano? Yeah, it's good. Uh, I, I enjoy Rivers' uh, vocals. I think he's got, like, again, he's got great melodies that he makes, and it fits his vocals. And I, I could listen to a good River song all the time. I, I think he's a great singer. Yeah. Do you think he hits the high notes really good on this song? Um, I don't think he needs to. I think within his range, that kind of, like, the kind of way he sings, it kind of, like, fits, like, the attitude and personality of Weezer. Like, not every singer has to hit high notes. No, but with the instrumentation... You think that he should have a more classical singing style to fit the music? Well, it just seems like he's trying to hit these higher notes that he typically doesn't go for, or it's not that he has a bad voice, but it's not... When you have electric guitars and you have a rock setup, and there's distortion involved. It doesn't stand. The imperfections in his voice don't stand out so so much. But when you have these very clean string and horns, uh, string and uh, chord instruments, with these very clean and baritone sounds, and they and the violin hits this very high pitch, and his voice to me doesn't really seem like it is able to keep up with the with the baroque style instrumentation. I don't know if I agree. Like, I thought he was doing a great job. I I thought playing my piano might have been my favorite track on the uh, on the whole album, next to a Lou Gobi. I thought he did a great job. Like some of the, like kind of like the cracking in his voice, I think adds personality to to the track. Like, I wasn't expecting him to hit super high notes or hit in this certain range. Uh, and the, with the range he does play, and I think he he plays really well and like sounds super good and. The chorus melodies are super gummy. Like I had no complaints at all about Rivers' uh, vocal performances on this album. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. With a track like this, where his where his voice is really functioning more like a like a centerpiece, it stand it stood out to me. And listen, it's not. I wouldn't go ahead and call it bad. It's certainly passable. Yeah, he's not impressing me with his vocals. Okay. The next song, I believe, is the song I thought you were referencing uh, when you spoke earlier, which was Screens. Uh, I struggle with the song a bit. I think that's my least favorite song. Okay, yeah, we have totally uh, opposite opinions. I like this song. Really? I Most of my issue comes with the sentiment of the song, uh, honestly. Screens, um, for anyone... Now, where it's kind of where he goes into boomer mode and starts talking about uh, everyone looking at their screen for whatever that is, you know, your computer screen, your phone screen. Talks about his daughter, I guess, like listening to K-pop and not really caring that he's around. You know, and he's like, where are we going to be 21 years from now? And like, it, it, it puts me in mind of if you're ever on Facebook and you're scrolling down and someone shares this profound quote or this profound art piece that comments on 
contemporary consumers and people like always looking at the phone and not being in the moment and stuff like as if no one's ever thought of this and no one uh, realizes this day to day and like they're the first person to comment on it like they're not profound you know it's like this it's the idea of that you're saying more that you are and they really aren't and i hate it so much it's one of my pet peeves is when people start critiquing like this generation of phone users and stuff like as if it's not an aware trait you know it's like they're making like some sort of novel observation and that kind of comes off for me in this sounds really boomer it sounds kind of like like kind of a miss in what it's trying to say and i didn't really like it all that much wouldn't you say the whole album thematically lyrically the message that it sends is very much in the vein of the song right it you're right there is a lot of that going on in this album as a whole as a concept which made me nervous listening to this album because i hate that certain pocket of commentary and he does make it on this song and i don't like it but i thought uh, as a counterpoint to kind of my grievances of this song i thought if you were going to go about making that kind of commentary I think they went about as well at it as they could with an album that's full of Baroque instruments and analog uh, instruments uh, to call it okay human commenting on the songs that he did comment on and shaping the album as he shaped it. And I thought, okay, it fits into the concept. It, maybe it's a bit of my pet peeve, but I still kind of struggle with the song a bit. It just gave me kind of like the image of someone who's not, Who's trying to say uh, something grand when yeah, they're really just saying something simple? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, I sort of accepted the fact this is the way the record is. It's not, it's addressing topical issues, but in a very superficial way. And it's not, they're not being profound. They're not having anything really original or authentic to say. And coincidentally, it's like something you'd see on a Facebook news feed. With the captions, say it louder for the people in the back. Yeah. You know, quickly, I'll fucking delete that person. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I mean, I don't run my uh, Facebook like a dictator, but I understand. <laughs> no, I, I, this was probably one of the two songs I struggled with the most on the album. But musically, yeah. when you say it's, uh, it's, it brings a fresh take, you know, you're getting more of the keyboard is a little bit more of an energetic tempo. I like how the song opens with just the drums because I do like the drums, even though uh, they're a little bit uh, simple, like, you know, pop rock drums. They're just aiming to. Yeah. I uh, have no problem with the instrumentation on the track or anything like that. I think it sounds like a fine track. Uh, yeah. Maybe the chorus is one of the weaker choruses, but just in terms of like a song idea and a topic, and I was I just kind of disconnected. I just not not the kind of song that I like. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like I like the harmonies of the uh, the cello and the keyboard on on this on this track. So it, I like it musically. Coincidentally, the second track that I had struggled with was uh, "Bird with a Broken Wing." Um, oh my god! It, yeah, it was a. Uh, it's kind of like a ballad, a bit. Honestly, it was just a bit too melodramatic, I think, for me. And cliche, bird with a broken wing. Oh, God. Yeah, it was a bit cheesy of a song. I wasn't super into it. Uh, again, one of the song I didn't have any problems with the instrumentation and the broke style and stuff like that. 
It's just like the, the way he was singing and the kind of melody put off. It was good. Th- it was good for in terms of like variety on the album uh, because it was more of a ballad song. But uh, it just kind of hit me as a bit lukewarm and melodramatic and a bit too much for me. It changes the tone a little bit because mm-hmm. it's a slower song. However, it's sort of a very skippable track. Yeah, it's a it's got some nice strings at the beginning. Uh, it's got uplifting instrumentals. Rivers pushes his voice into that somber area and pushes it some drama in there. You know, I don't think he does a bad performance, but it just in terms of what the song is and what's being written here. It's a song about like feeling past his prime and irrelevant. Yeah, it just it felt a little too over the top for me. I didn't, I didn't really like it. It was a bit skippable for me as well. Yeah, melodramatic is the best way, the best way to characterize it. How did you feel about Dead Roses? Uh, it's another sad number that follows sad number, so that sort of was a little bit of a head scratcher for me. And because they put two very similar tracks, sad numbers next to each other. It was again another piece of evidence that indicated that the, uh, that the albums, even though they're going into this new genre, quite quite slim on ideas. Yeah. Okay. This one confused me for a different reason. Is it's what it's about is was super odd in terms of what I felt the overall theme of the album would be. It was trying to accomplish. I feel like maybe I'm missing something with some sort of analogy going on. But this image of Dead Roses at the bottom of Aboulette, which I had to Google uh, to figure out what that was, but it's basically like a cage. Uh, hmm. So suddenly this the song has this like medieval approach to it where it's talking about these roses at the bottom of this Aboulette. A, a winged beast with horns upon his cranium slinks away and Greeny makes his way up. I grasp pieces of rose and raven locks of hair. And it's like suddenly we're in like uh, an Edgar Allan Poe song. Like it was like <laughs> this doesn't it didn't fit like as terms of like song topic with what I thought he was trying to accomplish with this album. But I, it was kind of quirky, and I kind of liked it. Like in a vacuum, like I enjoyed the song, and it was a little. Again, a, kind of a somber piece after a somber piece, but I like this one more than the previous one, honestly. Of the two pieces, I like this one way more. And I enjoyed the image that uh, it gave me, a bit like this guy creeping into a castle late at night and, and finding his, his loved one missing from the cage, and uh, Satan, I assume, slinking away, uh, having done something. And it's like, what is this? Like, where did this song come from? Is kind of what I'm left. Uh, after listening to it, like I enjoyed it, but like it just felt, and it, obviously it's using the broke uh, instrumentation and fits like stylistically in that regard. But in terms of song topic, I was like, what is this? Is there an analogy, a metaphor going on here that like is going straight over my head? I don't get it. Yeah, that's possible. I didn't look as deeply into the lyrics on this song as you did. Yeah, maybe it wanted to insert a medieval style narrative. In right. an album that's very much about technology and its deleterious effects on people's yeah. mental health, and I think in the end you can you can kind of grasp for these kind of answers, but it just felt like a weird outlier to me in terms of like like song topics. But yeah. in terms of again how it's composed, it fits very well within the album. When you listen through the album, 
it doesn't stand out as something that shouldn't belong in terms of like his vocals and stuff like that. But when you're like looking at the lyrics, you know, it's like, what is, where, where did this come from? Yeah. Well, the, the song also introduces, it introduces itself with a horn and then the horn just goes away. And I was so disappointed by that. I wanted to hear more of the horn and then just go back to this, you know, cello, violin and drums and disappointing. I wanted. You said they used a, a pretty a pretty big orchestra to compose this album. Yet, in fact, the number of instruments that they use seems to be very limited. I know there's like a 38 piece. It kind of seems a little small for what what it is. But in terms of like comparing it to like other rock music or uh, other Weezer songs within like more traditional rock standard, like I th- I found this to be a really uh, big breath of fresh air with these choices like even though maybe there is kind of like a small circle of instruments that they end up leaning back into it's still more diverse than a guitar and it's still more diverse than just guitar bass drum um focus and so i still enjoyed it for kind of like the ideas that they did bring forward and again only 30 minutes it, i don't think it really leaves i don't think it really tires itself out that much but in terms of variety and uh, song structures and bringing forth different instrumentations to the fold. Yeah, I see your point. It doesn't really vary that well within the pocket, but I find it hard to be critical of it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, they obviously had different instruments at their disposal. Like we mentioned, they have the use the harpsichord at one point. Um, then they have the they have the horn here, which also fe- features in brief pockets throughout the album, but it seems like they played it safe to me. And rather than embracing the, the instruments that were at their disposal going into this Baroque pop genre, they really, they felt comfortable with the, with the, with the cello and with the violin. And they didn't waver or wander too far outside of the formula that they developed for this record. But Here Comes the Rain is an interesting song. After all these analogies to Beach Boys and Beatles, I find it interesting that they uh, flipped Here Comes the Sun with Here Comes the Rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's kind of cute. Uh, this is the song I meant to comment on earlier, but I realized I was talking about the wrong song. This is the song that apparently he wrote for his friend who's like a podcaster who was going through some times with critiques from fans. Uh, I don't know what he said, and I don't... It kind of really isn't made evident in this song that it has anything to do with that. Um, so I find it to be a bit of a moot thing, but people were commenting on it. I seen when I was doing some research about it, uh, I think his name is Sam Harris and he said some stuff and uh, there's kind of like some politics uh, on the go, but I decided not to really think about it when I, when I come to the song because it really isn't about that. It's just a, a pretty simple, like kind of uplifting tune, uh, about you know being in the dumps but you know being optimistic staying optimistic staying uh positive letting the rain wash off wash off the dirt and kind of embracing all that and it's kind of like you know it's kind of straightforward kind of thematic song um you know uplifting song again in that baroque style uh, i end up really enjoying it i think the chorus was good pretty simple straightforward song yeah to, to follow up what you were saying about 
the rain element and the rain theme in the song, there's a texture element, whether it's a flute or they made it with a soundboard, I can't really tell. Because again, yeah. they sort of have it, it's buried, and so you really have to listen to hear it. But it has this, it created this image or reminded me of the rain falling of a rainy day. And I really like that. And I wish there was more of this type of stuff on the record. And also, they switch it up and they introduce the track with this energetic, fun piano chord, which is, it's not super complicated, but it's, uh, it's really fun. I can bop along to it, you know? Sure. So you, you came out enjoying this one. The instrumentation kind of like changed up a little enough here for you to sink your teeth into a little more. Yeah, and it was it was it didn't it didn't stick to the formula so okay. much, and yeah. I wish they would have ended the record on this on this track. You did is that because you didn't like the next track, or you just think it's a stronger track? I think it's a stronger track, and the next track I didn't like. I thought it was a skippable track. Honestly, it didn't make any. It just seemed like they wanted to even out the record thirty minutes to put another track on there. It was a filler track. This would have been a more bold and uh, fun way to end the album. I liked this song. It doesn't like, I, to your point, it doesn't do a lot to stand out as a, a very unique in the track listing, but I generally like River's voice. I like his melodies. I like the, the hooks he puts in the songs. I like the idea of the broke instruments. And how it, it all comes together is still novel to me at this point. 30 minutes in, I haven't lost that interest. I haven't been looking for a super varied transition away from some of the things. I think they do a lot of changes on the songs, like in terms of how they uh, compose stuff, even though they're using the same instrument. I would want on a subsequent album to hear more variety. But as the first core album with this idea, I thought, they lived within it, stayed within their lane, and and succeeded uh, in creating a lot of songs. And I think this is another song. You know, it's hard for me to describe it because, to your point, there are a lot of similar uh, ideas going on. It's a baroque song, and then like that's the kind of the detail that you need to understand what's going on. It's a baroque song, but I like the I like the the, uh, the chorus work on this. I like kind of the lyrics as well. He's talking about the Libra tar pits, which are in Los Angeles. Uh, historical landmark the whole theme of the song is some sort of like historical person this caveman for lack of a better word is like gets stuck in the tar pit and he's like i'm thinking could you give me a lift want to make a escape but i don't know where to begin and there's kind of like this multi-layer going on here where i it's more directly and bluntly talking about this figure stuck in the tar pit wanting help and to get thrown a rope but i think there's more being spoken about here about uh, mental health and uh, and your own self-worth it's kind of like hidden behind this kind of quirky song about this gay man stuck in the in the muck it's kind of like a kind of like that a uh, bible story about the kid that gets stuck in the quicksand or whatever and uh, he just needs to ask jesus for help or whatever but it's a uh, <laughs> Uh, but it, I thought it was a kind of a charming song. I, I liked it as an ending, actually. Uh, would, you, would you say that it was one of the better lyrical performances on the album? One of the better lyrical... In terms of, like, song ideas, lyrics? Yeah, I would, actually. I think it's the more, most neat 
an interesting like song to like go through the lyrics and kind of like see what he's saying. I thought it was really cute and and uh, charming. Yeah. So, um, who would you recommend this record for? People who have left Weezer in the dust, I think, should go back and listen to this. I think it's really interesting. I think you'll find a lot of interest, uh, a lot of songs on here that you will enjoy. You do have to realize that this is still a new Weezer. There is like a, a pop rock feel to their songwriting, but I think it's super catchy. It's super enjoyable. There's a lot of songs on here that will go well in the car, or just good mood music. Uh, lots of songs in here I think should end up in lots of playlists. Uh, there's a, a pop feel, so I think there's a wide market of people who could listen to this. If you're not super into the bubbly, clean, smooth, uh, whimsical kind of sounds in your music, you're probably going to not really enjoy this. Uh, this is very well produced, but it's very clean and very uh, warm. Uh, so it's kind of in that range and that pocket. So you kind of, you have to know what you're kind of looking for. But I think a lot of people who will embrace those choruses and that warm, sounding baroque, and as a rock band, will enjoy this. What you said about people who have sort of given up on Weezer, coming back to this album, I can I can recommend that. As someone who yeah has given up on Weezer, I was never a huge Weezer fan, anyways. It was a fun record to check out. However, check out is all it is. Like I won't be listening to this record again. It it doesn't have it doesn't age well. It doesn't have a long shelf life. It just the sound becomes very repetitive quickly. And so I think for longtime Weezer fans, they'll really like it because it is a tight record, that's for sure. And the band are exploring a new genre and they don't do a lot with it, but what the, what they do with it is at least tight, and uh, they write catchy songs and what you expect from Weezer. And I would also recommend the album to a younger audience because many of the songs and the themes are targeted at a younger audience. And so I think the album would resonate with with those with those music listeners, especially in uh, Arrow and everything so digital. However, for people who like more sophisticated music, more sophisticated lyrical ideas especially, I, I couldn't really recommend the record, especially when there's so much music to be listening to these days. Unless you really like the artwork, because the artwork for the album's really cool, I would <laughs> never tell anybody to pick, pick up this record at a record store. Do you have a toe-in song for this for this album? The the introductory track, the single for the for the album. Yeah, the it's, album songs. I think it's I think it's a good toe-in track. It really yeah. summarizes a lot of what what you get on the album. Right, I'd agree with that. Uh, I am more partial to Alo Gobi and playing my piano um, for tracks to listen to. I really enjoyed those. So in in kind of my ending thoughts on the album is, and we didn't talk about this very much, but I was a smidge let down by the concept of the album. I was expecting more from this okay human concept of like this. Obviously, they go in full in with the, the analog instruments and the Baroque style. And there's a lot of similar themed songs on here with screens and playing my piano, numbers, grapes of wrath. And they do keep within this theme, but 
it doesn't feel like there's any ultimate conclusion made or any like what what was stated here. They're a bunch of fun songs, and like don't get me wrong, and I enjoy, I enjoy this album, and it is a tight a piece. But in terms of like this concept that I was excited about, uh, I don't know if there was a, a grand conclusion. I don't know what he was trying to say at the end. Well, like, I think it, I think it goes to just how superficial the lyrics are. You know, the album is not trying to. It's not a album that's trying to answer any questions, or yeah, answer any questions or provide any answers. It's more or less just pointing to what they see as being a, a present day problem, especially among young people. They they do comment on it as being a problem kind of, but they also like start off the album with this sentiment with all my favorite songs of this paradoxal understanding of everything. So I guess that's kind of where they are. It's like, it almost felt like a counterpiece to OK Computer that said, well, this is what happened. You know, all that paranoia about uh, technology and where the world was going that happened with Radiohead back in 1990. Uh, eight. I don't remember now when Okay Computer came out. Maybe ninety seven. Whatever it was. That that whole sentiment of like being nervous about the future. Like I wanted. Like not that I expected Weezer to be the band to do this, but when you go in and you you have this Okay Human, and you have these song topics like the screens, I I kind of wanted like the reciprocal. You know, like well it turned out all right. You know, or you know maybe we're you know, looking at our screens too much and we have this escapism, like, addiction. But, you know, everything's all right. We'll see how it goes from here. And kind of like that check-in with that kind of, like, paranoid personality from the 90s with this new personality from 2021. And I kind of was wanting more of that connection uh, to happen here. I don't think there was as much there as I would have liked. No, and it, they don't really live up to the title of the album. To parody the title of a legendary record like OK Computer and how sophisticated that album is and the paranoia that runs throughout the album, they don't, they don't really seem to want to comment on much of what OK Computer speculated on. Right. And they keep it safe, and coincidentally, they don't even really speak to the audience that grew up with OK Computer. No. You know, it's almost like they wanted to create their own OK Computer for the present-day generation. And what came out was, I don't want to say lame, but man, it was really surface-level stuff. So uh, what would you end up uh, rating this album? I mean, considering if a 5 is an average record. Yes then I would have to give it a five. I can't say to anyone not a diehard Weezer fan or someone who is within that demographic that this album really speaks to that this may be an album you'd want to go pick up. It's something that you listen to once or twice, you get it, and yeah, you you just move on. The album is not fleshed out enough, in my opinion. They had the right approach. They had some good starting points, but then they don't flesh out the album enough. And so I can't say to somebody, uh, yeah, go to the record store and pick this up when there's so much more sophisticated music out there to be listening to. 
I, I give this album a seven. Uh, I enjoyed a lot more of this than you did. I didn't get fatigued with the album nearly as much. Uh, I, I thought the broken instrumentals were still novel by the end of the album. It's a, a concise listen, 30 minutes, a lot of great hooks, a lot of great songs to like get stuck in your head and are enjoyable re-listens in my mind. Um, I definitely enjoyed it more than you did. Uh, I'm going to go with a solid seven, leaning towards an eight. All right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're uh, pretty far apart on this record. But uh, that's the nature of a music podcast, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I look forward to disagreeing with you in the future. Yeah, well, next week, I think we'll be reviewing a record from a Canadian artist from our home country. So okay. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, well... I will see you next week for our next uh, our next sesh. All right, looking forward to it. And yeah, uh, okay, human. I don't know, but according to Brandon, check it out.